Hello, everyone. I'm Brian Carrington, and you're listening to Call Talk for December 19th, 2012. Today is a special highlight edition of our recent Call Center Campus event in Las Vegas, Nevada, where you'll get to hear some of the best practices that came out of a brainstorming session involving contact center managers from around the world. I would also like to remind you that all of our Call Talk shows are archived and available to listen to any time of the day at BenchmarkPortal.com. So let's kick it off and let me introduce the host of today's show, Bruce Belfiore and Dee Buell. Well, welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. As Brian stated, we have a special show today which highlights our recent call center campus event in Las Vegas. And in fact, Brian was the master of ceremonies for that event. And joining <laughs> me is Dee Buell, one of Benchmark Portal's subject matter experts and the content manager for Call Talk. Uh, Dee attended Call Center Campus and facilitated one of our liveliest sessions. Welcome, Dee. Well, thank you, Bruce. I really enjoyed this year's Call Center Symposium. And uh, on the last day, as you stated, I facilitated our 20 Ideas in 20-Minute Session, where all the attendees had the opportunity to share their own insights on how to provide excellent customer service. We're going to be sharing some of those ideas on the show today. Well, you know, this year's call center symposium was really excellent. We had uh, great participation throughout the two-a-day event, and uh, I had the opportunity to interview a couple of our presenters, Russ Rossi from New York Life AARP and uh, Steve Ellis from IMED. Both contact center leaders provided some great insights into their company's strategy to improve customer experiences. And we'll share these interviews on the show today as well with our listeners. So let's get started with a few of the highlights uh, discussed during your session, Dee. And uh, I might mention to our listeners that the 20 Ideas in 20 Minutes session is a fun, uh, fast-paced session that breaks the mold of the usual event presentations. So the microphone goes around the room, and participants volunteer to share one great idea that has had a positive impact on their center during the past year. So, Dee, tell us about some of these ideas. Okay. Well, you know, uh, Bruce, one that really uh, touched me was the customer effort. And I know the last several years I've been hearing this, but this came up in the session. As companies continue to focus on improving customer satisfaction, we're hearing more and more about the customer effort initiatives. You know, companies are stepping back and they're asking themselves, you know, what does it take for my customer to get resolution to their inquiry? Yeah, you know, I remember, Dee, when customer effort primarily focused on the IVR and getting to a live agent. Uh, with natural language technology, it's making the IVR easier to navigate. And now we see the focus turning toward process improvement. So customer effort has taken on a whole different perspective because it can play a, a major role, really, in, in customer satisfaction and, and loyalty. Um, one useful idea that came out of this discussion, I remember, was the use of process mapping. And, uh, you know, study those calls that frustrate your customer. Map them end-to-end. Uh, look at that customer experience from beginning to end to identify what they go through uh, to get their issue resolved. And you can identify process improvements that reduce the customer's effort 
but this can also reduce your call volume. And uh, I call it uh, phone flow forensics. Of course, I like alliteration, but anyway, if you do this call phone flow forensics, you can really learn a lot, and it's a win-win exercise. Um, you understand more about what the customer goes through, and, and you feel a great sense of accomplishment when you make improvements uh, that matter. Uh, what else, Dee, do we have? Okay. We know agent satisfaction came up several different ways, and statistics tell us that there's a direct correlation between agent satisfaction and customer satisfaction. Creating an environment that supports your agents continues to be so important in the call centers and providing agents with the right training and the tools to do their job and supporting them with strong, well-trained supervisors and coaches and being flexible when they need to balance their work life and their family life. All these are very, very important. Um, turning, though, to your supervisors and training them to be agent advocates is very, very important. They can be great coaches, and, and they make a big difference in the, in the centers today. Most centers need to turn to the outside to get this kind of training for their folks, but it's very worth it in terms of getting good return on their investment. Not only do the agents get um, great great coaching then, but your supervisors really feel valued. So I, I think it's, it was really good to hear that mm. coming from our audience. Yeah, you know, uh, strong leaders recognize the value of keeping their agents involved in the business and, you know, how they can feel this, the engagement, you know. Uh, they're beginning to really measure this agent engagement as a key performance measure. Um, and speaking of agent engagement, uh, Steve Ellis from IMED, which is a high-performance uh, center of excellence, shared uh, their five-step approach that leverages the voice of the customer and agent performance to really improve the customer's experience. So, Brian, uh, can we listen to, to my interview with Steve? Let's do it right now. We're back here at Call Center Campus, and uh, I'm with Steve Ellis, Senior Director of Customer Care at IMED Vision Care. And Steve gave a really great presentation today on leveraging the voice of the customer to improve your business. And Steve, uh, welcome. Very happy to be talking to you today. Bruce, it's great to meet with you, and your team did a great job with this event here. Oh, thank well. you very much. We're really enjoying it, and there's a lot of best practices coming out. And among those are the five steps for uh, voice of the customer that you were talking about in your speech. I was wondering if you could share with our listeners some of that. Sure. The IMED team is really focused on delivering exceptional service for our customers, and we have uh, really five, five key steps that we focus on. The first is to track, follow up, and trend customer alerts or problems that customers have when, when we survey them and they say they're not satisfied. Mm -hmm. The second is spend a lot of time and energy around positively reinforcing great service. And we get feedback from our customers around what great service looks like, and we want to really celebrate that success with our agents and our teams delivering great service. Mm -hmm. The third thing is to make sure we have tight linkage between the voice of the customer and our internal quality assurance programs. The fourth thing is to segment our agent performance mm -hmm. so we understand the agents that are really providing exceptional service 
and then we look at the the rest of the stratosphere of of agent performance as well. Mm-hmm. And the last and, and maybe the most important thing is to really take action on the insights to drive process improvements mm-hmm. that will create a better customer experience. Okay. And and those insights really do sort of double back over the other four processes. I mean, uh, you really, if we take, for instance, uh, even number two, celebrating the successes. Uh, how do you do that? What are some of the ways that you actually do that in practice? We have a lot of fun uh-huh. celebrating Good. the success of our associates. We we have uh, a wall of fame up in our in our centers where we put the names of our associates who deliver great service and the verbatim comments from our customers praising that service excellence. We also have our um, we get emails mm-hmm. with uh, verbatim files and we look at those positive verbatims. And then we share them directly with our agents, so they see the great service they're delivering and what our customers have to say about the great service. Very reinforcing for our agents. Mm-hmm. And then we allow our our agents to actually recognize each other in our monthly meetings, mm-hmm. and actually reading again the voice of the customer, how they're praising the great service that we're delivering. And again, it's very reinforcing for us. Mm-hmm. That's great. Those are all great ways to bring right home to the agent how they're doing well. There's nothing like a celebration that hits home, right? I mean, we've all been to those celebrations, which celebrates everyone and, and some uh, collective success. Those are good. Those are necessary. But something that also is targeted at a specific action or a specific performance uh, that's really very powerful for the individual agent. So, so that's great. Yeah. And, and what about, uh, for instance, number four, the segmenting agent performance? Uh, so we, we stratify our performance. We, we put our agents in four different quartiles, and we take a look at the agents who are at the top of the performance uh, curve, and we try to learn as much as we can about them. Those are the agents that are really leading by example, leading by doing. They, they become our mentors, mm-hmm. and they really help inspire the rest of our team to deliver great service. We understand the behaviors that they exhibit that translates into great service from our, that our customers recognize as great service. Mm-hmm. And then we look to try to replicate that in our training, in our reinforcement, and, and side-by-sides with our other agents too. Mm-hmm. And then we can drive performance in agents that need more help uh, by using those agents as examples of what what is great service like that. Let me dig just a little bit further on that because a lot of uh, managers have a problem in trying to figure out how much time do they spend with the agents that aren't doing so well and how much time do we spend with the agents who are doing pretty well but really not you know superior performance. And I imagine there's a, a lot of good managerial judgment that has to go into that, as well as experience, right? So what, what, what has your experience been with that? Well, there's always, it, always have to exercise the management judgment. So I've, I've been on both sides of this equation, and I've, I've made them, I've fallen into the trap to spend a disproportionate amount of my time and energy on the substandard performers. Mm-hmm. And really, as, as leaders, we need to spend more time with the people who are doing a great job mm-hmm. to recognize them, reinforce their great behavior, and set them up as an example that other people can follow. Mm-hmm. And again, tied to behavior, specific behaviors. What are the words choices that our agents are using when they deliver great service? How do they, how do they find the right way to connect with our customers? How do they do a great job in resolving problems and, and making sure they dig deep to understand the real problem that our customers um, might be expressing and then find a, a solution to that. Mm-hmm. We find those kinds of behaviors 
and then we try to replicate those because people can learn behaviors. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us as leaders to really focus on what are the right behaviors that are driving performance. And if you spend too much time and energy on the negative side of that equation, mm-hmm. it's uh, just not as effective. Another thing that you mentioned was the fact that uh, you try to instruct your agents, train your agents in how to conform to the style of the caller. And this is particularly important in your case because you have all age groups and sort of all interest groups uh, who have different kinds of vision and other needs uh, in the IMED and the Luxottica group, which is the, uh, the bigger group that you're a part of. Uh, are there any other st- stories or examples that you can give us from there? Yes, I'd be glad to talk about it. I think it's really important to align with our with the customer. And we know that when you make that connection with the customer, you've got a much better opportunity to really understand their needs mm-hmm. and solve their problem and deliver great service for them. I'll, I'll tell you that uh, at our Oakley um, Operation. That's the Oakley eyeglasses, right? That That's are, right. That are particularly appealing to people who are and younger, younger and sports, sports, uh, yeah. sports-oriented uh, team. The snowboarders and all we, those guys. We yeah. get calls. Uh, our Oakley team. They get calls from people, and they say, "Hey, man. Hey, dude. Uh, how you hanging?" So that if that's the the uh, the spirit of the conversation with from the customer, uh-huh. then we'll follow that lead. Right. and align with them in a, in a language that that customer would understand. We get calls from eye doctors and their staff. They're busy people. They're in a hurry. They want to get the information, get it done, and, and move on so they can continue their business. Mm-hmm. We have to respect that, too, and align around uh, their needs as well. We get calls from, like you said, all, all different age groups of, uh, of our members, too. We have over 33,000 members that have a fund vision benefit, and we get calls from, you know, Great little old ladies and uh, that have lots of questions and concerns. We need to spend some extra time with them and, and solve their problems in align with them. We get calls from very busy uh, mothers at home that are trying to juggle babies and extra work uh, at home, and we got to make sure that we're um, sensitive to their needs too. So aligning with the caller is, is really important for us. Mm-hmm. Okay, no, that's. Uh a very interesting aspect of what you do in, in your uh, your area. So I think that's uh, that's great. Are, are there any other um, areas, for instance, taking action on the insights that you have? Your number five uh, point. There's, uh, is there an example that you can give us there? Sure. There's lots of examples. When when we're looking at delivering an exceptional ex- customer experience, we have to look end to end at our processes. And there are a lot of things that we do control within the customer care world. There are the words that we use and how we choose to to uh, talk with our customers and how we choose to act on the feedback from our customers. So how we execute a call or a contact with a customer, very important. But equally important are looking at upstream process changes and improvements. So if a customer, for example, uh, sends in a claim and, and it's uh, missing some information on it, if we can help the customer by... Solving that problem more quickly and um, updating the claim as a, as a, as a corrected claim mm-hmm. to process that for them without sending it back to them, customers are a lot happier. We're a lot happier. We only touch it once, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it creates a better experience for the customer. Listening to your representatives, too, is probably the single easiest thing that we can do as leaders in the, right. in the call center space. Our reps, they're the... 
they're the salt of the earth folks. They're the ones who are talking to our customers every day. They know the challenges that we're having, and they know how to improve our business. Mm-hmm. So again, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a simple example. We had a representative who said, why do we send denied claim forms uh, back to our customers because the customer filled out the wrong form? Why don't we send them the right form too? <laughs> Great idea. So now now we're doing that. Yeah. And, and that, that's one example of, of scores of them. Mm-hmm. But it ha- talking to your frontline associates who are talking to your customers every day, getting their best ideas will help you really drive improvements in the customer's mm-hmm. experience. Mm-hmm. So really, the voice of the customer sometimes comes through the agent loud and clear and is the best way to capture that voice of the customer. A- absolutely. Yeah. You get a focus group of agents together on a specific topic around the customer experience, They'll come up with a lot of really good ideas about how to improve the business, and mm-hmm. the, the challenge will be in trying to prioritize those items, and then going and implementing the most important ones first. Okay, listen, uh, great insights. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, Steve, and uh, being here at Call Center Campus. And uh, hey, dude, have a great rest of the day. Bruce, nice hanging with you. Okay, <laughs> bye bye. Hey, Bruce, thanks for sharing that interview. I think that was very, very enlightening. And I love the way IMED is engaging the agents. I think this is pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, thanks, dude. uh, Yeah, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, aloha, Ace. Uh, That was pretty ag, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And I think you can tell from the background noise that uh, we definitely practice what we preach. Uh, Call Center Campus was full of uh, fun and celebration along with a lot of sharing of best practices. So, um, yeah, there was a a lot of good, good uh, input that we got from that. So, uh, yeah, Dee, tell me more. Okay. Well, there was another hot topic that came up from several people, and that was how to manage multiple changes in the contact center. You know, in any given year, a contact center could experience changes in processes. Maybe they're going to introduce new technology or sometimes even their performance goals have to change based on what their clients are asking for. And, Bruce, you actually referred to this as the emotional roller coaster that often accompanies these changes, and you called it the valley of tears phenomenon. You know, change can certainly cause excitement, and sometimes that's a positive thing and sometimes it's not so positive. So having a well-thought-out change management process that includes agent input, you know, conditioning expectations, and always, always lots of communication and training throughout the process can avoid unnecessary anxiety for all those agents. Yeah, I think uh, basically getting people, giving them an idea of what they have to go through is sort of like uh, giving our children an opportunity to uh, hear in advance what they may have to go through when they're up on stage at school or when they're uh, doing something in sports. or it just it's, it's a heads up. And sometimes when you have change going on in the call center, if you're able to sort of draw this uh, wave line, you know, that goes up and down, uh, and that's been uh, referred to as the Valley of Tears because at the beginning oftentimes a new initiative is announced, everybody's excited about it, they have high expectations, and they think that it's all going to happen and be positive uh, immediately. And that doesn't happen. You know, you get into the uh, technical implementation of a new piece of technology or a new process or something, and it's difficult. You know, <laughs> there's some problems with it. And so everyone gets uh, sort of disillusioned and uh, morale goes down, et cetera. 
And then as you work through all those issues, things go back up again. Well, it's, it's, uh, if you sort of have a sense of that ahead of time, if you tell your people, you know, we're very excited about it, we know where we're going to end up, there's going to be some challenges, and it's okay. It's part of life. Uh, if you can be good about communicating that in an upbeat way, then that's, uh, I think, a good thing to do. And uh, as you mentioned, uh, Dee, where you have multiple changes going on in the contact center at the same time, sometimes you've got these waves sort of uh, going, crashing against each other. So something good is happening over here, but something not so good is happening over there. And you do feel like you're on that emotional roller coaster. Uh, massive simultaneous change is not an easy thing. So uh, good managers think about how they're going to be doing that continual communication you were mentioning, Dee, as they go through it. Yes, so, Bruce, um, you know, even, you know, Steve Ellis in the interview was talking about really engaging his agents. Having those agents engaged in these transitions is very, very important because oftentimes they know the way to implement a change so much more effectively than maybe the vendor coming in or whatever. So I think that's another key element there to change is keeping them involved and getting their buy-in even before it happens. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, I also had the chance to sit down with Russ Rossi from New York Life AARP, and uh, here's another superior performance center that really watches its metrics, uh, but also takes great care of its people and its customers. And talking about changes in the contact center, he shared how they are shifting from traditional phone service level parameters to uh, more of a focus on, you know, looking at customer experience measures. So, uh, Brian, let's listen to that interview now. Sounds good. We'll head back to the 2012 call center campus right now. Hello, everyone. We're here at Call Center Campus in Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, you can hear there's quite a bit of activity in the background, but I'm really honored today to be able to talk with uh, Russ Rossi, Assistant Vice President for Customer Experience and Strategic Planning at New York Life AARP, located in Tampa, Florida. And uh, Russ gave a really good presentation today on the topic, Managing the Customer Experience Engagement Strategy by optimizing your contact center. And uh, Russ, you made a lot of good points today, and I'd like to ask you about a couple of them. One is uh, first call resolution. As we all know, first call resolution is so important, it's uh, sort of the magic metric because uh, it has both quality implications as well as cost implications. Uh, There's the high correlation between caller satisfaction and first call resolution. And also, the better your first call resolution, the lower your cost because you don't have the callbacks and the repeat calls, et cetera. So I know that you have been doing a lot of good work in that area. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, Bruce. I'd love to. So first of all, uh, we implemented our first call resolution metric about three or four years ago, and I think it was part of our certification process as well that you guys turned us on to this new metric. And as you said, very important metric for customer satisfaction and for reducing you know, customer frustration and calling back to have an issue resolved the second, third, and fourth time is not what we're in business to do. So we implemented this metric three or four years ago, and over the last year, we we it was nice that we knew the data, didn't know exactly what was driving it and what we could do to improve. So we implemented a new initiative this past year where we collected the information from a customer as to why their first call resolution did not occur and why they had to call back in a second time. 
So we captured that information, we triaged it, um, and came up with a couple different variations and um, some new initiatives, and one of them being changing our cancellation process where customers don't have to mail in a cancellation form. We can take that over the phone. It caused the customers not to have to call back in to verify, did you receive my letter? Did you process my cancellation? Um, we took that frustration out of the system. We saw and immediately when we implemented this last April, we had a two-point improvement in our first call resolution alone from that one process change. And we had the data to back it up to show customers aren't calling back in for that reason any longer. So that was just one example of getting additional processes in place to, to track what the customers are saying and then more importantly take action upon that information. And I think we were pretty successful. And today we have two or three other initiatives that we think we're going to be able to re-engineer some additional processes, and we're expecting it to yield some very significant results in the next six months. Mm, that's great. That's great stuff. And also, think in terms of the fact that, that uh, added uh, first call resolution is going to reduce the cost, uh, is going to reduce frustrations, which is also going to result in higher caller satisfaction, right? Uh, absolutely. And were you able to actually see uh, statistically an increase in caller satisfaction as a result of this change? Yeah, absolutely. We saw it specifically in first call resolution. We were running around 80 to 81 percent for probably the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. After we made this one simple process change, we jumped two points to around 83 percent. But we weren't satisfied. We're still continually having some different re-engineering efforts happening. We're also driving agents first call resolution down to the agent level. So our agents now understand that we're holding them accountable for resolving that customer. That takes on a whole new meaning for the, our mm -hmm. call center agents as well. Now we're in the 84 to 85% range on first call resolution. So that's a five-point change over the last year and a half. That's very significant for us. So we're very proud of that. And we've seen it yield even increasing satisfaction scores as I delivered today to the group. We're seeing a one or two point uptick in our other satisfaction levels that are already very high. That's great. So there's these uh, collateral benefits as well. The increased ownership on the part of the agent in terms of actually making sure that there is the resolution and the uh, wonderful increase in uh, caller satisfaction, which you've actually seen, right, statistically. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's huge stuff. That's really great. Yeah. And I think the other ancillary benefit is our call center agents. When they see customers calling in less frequently mm -hmm. for issues that weren't resolved before, that agent satisfaction for our agents goes up because they're not having to clean up, you know, a mess from somebody else that didn't resolve it. And, mm -hmm. and they say, hey, we're taking action, we're improving the system, mm -hmm. we're working through these issues. Um, so our, our call center agents see the increase and they're, they're impacted. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes that gets hidden in all that. Right. And, and actually, it adds to the credibility of the management group, too, right? Because you actually recognize the problem, analyze it, found a solution implemented the solution, and it made their life better, the customer's life better, everything's better. And when an agent's life is easier, <laughs> what happens? It translates to our customers, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. self-fulfilling. The happy agent, happy customer Absolutely. phenomenon. Yeah, yep. so that's great. Uh, wonderful, wonderful work there. And I know that you're also doing work on outbound. Yes. Can you tell us something about your outbound initiatives? Sure. sure. This past year, we really increased our outbound activity, and we looked at a couple different programs that have been very successful for us. One is when um, our customers have sent in an application for a new policy for life insurance, um, they have two options. They can either uh, increase or attach their, their check to that application, or they can say, bill me later. What we find is going to be some percentage of the customer base that sends in an application but just doesn't attach a check and they say, bill me later, they never get around to sending you into the payment. <laughs> so we have a program now where we actively um, call back these customers and ask if there's anything we can do to help. Sometimes it's just they simply forgot, they misplaced the invoice, and they were very thankful that we called them. So we're saving customers from that perspective. 
We also have another program that we implemented this past year for customers that have been customers for us for a long period of time, maybe two, three, four, five years, but all of a sudden have not made a, a recent payment or two, which could put their, their policy into a lapsed state. Mm-hmm. So now we have this proactive outbound calling to remind them, hey, uh, Bruce, did you know that your policy, you haven't paid it in the last 60 days, and we need to keep it in force. Many times the customers are like, oh, my gosh, thank you for calling. I completely forgot. I moved. I didn't get my new bills and come in. Right. So we've seen a very positive response from our members. And sometimes you worry about outbound calls and how our members might perceive that. Sure. It's been wildly successful. They, they feel it's a great outreach program for us. It's very successful. And right now we're accounting for um, just for the outbound retention and new business acquisition. It'll probably drop two million dollars in the bottom line on revenue for us in, one, in the first year. Hmm. So we're obviously looking for ways to expand our outbound team and our outbound campaign programs. That's fabulous. That's great. And uh, you've done so much good work to date. But how about the future? What are your thoughts about the future? Yeah, good question. Right now, we work very closely with our ARP client, and we have a variety of metrics that we're held accountable to in our service level agreement. But we both jointly agree that we want to put more focus on the consumer experience and maybe less on traditional phone metrics of abandoned rates and it's ever speed to answer. So right now we're looking at implementing some after-call survey results, looking at agent satisfaction and program stat, likelihood to recommend, and first call resolution, and putting a little bit more teeth in our agreement together and look more at that member experience and less on the traditional phone metrics. So. We obviously, as I told the group today, we're trying to align ourselves with the benchmarking organization to help us with that and say, what are the right targets? Mm-hmm. And uh, we chose the Benchmark Portal, and you guys have been a great partner for 10 years with us. And uh, we've now introduced you guys to ARP, and ARP feels the same way with you all. So we're looking to have a great joint partnership to figure out and craft what this looks like over the years and how we can continually update the benchmarking on a year-over-year basis to make sure we have the right targets in place for member satisfaction, and we're looking at the right behaviors that drive performance. Mm. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for that. We really appreciate the uh, the, the great work that you guys do, and uh, you've been a great partner to work with. So We feel the same, Bruce. Thank you very much. It's been a great event out here today. Yeah. I loved it. People are really having a very good time, and there's just been a lot of sharing. I mean, I like to talk about this as being like a big classroom. A big uh, laboratory and a big living room, and with everybody sharing uh, best practices, and that's what it's been. So thank you very much for being part of it. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, Bruce, thanks for sharing that interview again with us. But, uh, you know, I really enjoy hearing uh, Russ. I remember talking to him in the past. But I really enjoy the fact that they look at the philosophy that Benchmark Portal has around having a balance between efficiency and effectiveness, and they really apply it to their business practices. And so I always enjoy hearing how that works for them. But, you know, we have a few other things that came up, a lot of other best practices, so I'm going to kind of go through them and um, share those as well. Call monitoring came up, and, you know, call monitoring should really be um, a coaching tool. We don't want it to break the spirit of feedback. You should be able to share positive reinforcement as well as ways to improve behavior. And yes. um, go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, that these are extremely important that they be focused on because oftentimes they're they're sort of pushed by the wayside by uh, managers. But uh, please go on, Dee. Yeah. Well, and then when you start, talk, we talked a little bit earlier about training supervisors. You know, oftentimes they get very little training. 
And I know when I go on site and start speaking with the management team and the supervisors, the training that they get around coaching, coaching for success is, is pretty limited. And as you had stated earlier, they may have to go outside to get some of this training, but it will definitely pay off in the long run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, really we see over and over that the supervisors are the point of success or failure of so many contact centers. And uh, people leave their jobs because they don't like their supervisors or they have a bad relationship with their supervisors or they feel that their supervisors aren't developing them properly. On the other hand, uh, they stay when the supervisor is uh, great and they feel like they've been made part of a family that wants to develop them. And uh, the phrase that you used before, you know, the agent advocate, uh, that is something that again and again and the sharing that went on at Call Center Campus I think came through, that where that works, it works really, really well. Yes, it does. And, and while we're talking about supervisor, another topic that came up during this discussion was how so oftentimes we overload supervisors with projects and administrative tasks. You know, it, it really is a best practice to centralize those tasks and give that to an admin person. Supervisors really need to be with their teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely agree. And how about customer feedback? We had some good uh, discussion on that as well. We did. And, you know, having the proper root cause analysis around that feedback can really provide insight, not only to the call center itself, but to other departments. That's, that came out very loud and clear. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. And, you know, another – go ahead. No, I was just saying that the uh, sort of the radial organization that we talk about, uh, trying to make sure that the communication is not only good within the center but also with other parts of the organization uh, can really be uh, a great success factor for your center. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things, too, that came out was recognizing success. You know, looking for opportunities to celebrate success. I don't think many call centers actually look for them, but when you do, the agents absolutely feel recognized, they feel appreciated, and they really are the the key to any call center's success in their business. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. In other words, not just taking the point of view that, well, they're being paid, so of course they're supposed to do that. Uh, That may be true, but the fact is you'll get more of that success from people going forward if you celebrate it when they do things well. So, uh, yeah, just keeping that in mind. And, yeah. and how about uh, process review, Dee? You know, one thing that, that I recall is keep it simple, keep it current, and make sure it's accessible. And when we're saying this, we're talking about knowledge management. We're talking about reviewing the processes that your agents are required to follow. Don't let mm-hmm. it be so procedure-oriented that it's hard to translate that when they're on a phone call, and make sure it's always current, and it should be on their desktop if at all possible. Keep it accessible so that they feel that they have the tools to support the calls that are coming in. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very important points. And I'm uh, cognizant of the fact that we are pretty much out of time at this point, but it's been a very good a conversation. Is Are there a couple more points that you'd like to uh, make that came from Uh, the call center campus, uh, 20 ideas in 20 minutes. Well, you know, I think right now we all know there are, there's a lot of focus on call center channels. We are Mm -hmm. seeing a lot more social media. 
And technology is always top of mind when we get into these discussions. So there was discussion around all of those as well. Okay, very good. Well, Dee, thank you for sharing these thoughts with our, our listeners. And we'd, we'd really also like to thank all of the attendees at our call center campus because uh, they really added so much to it. And uh, the 2012 call center campus and symposium was really our, our best yet. And I hope our listeners uh, will plan to be with us in the fall of 2013 to experience firsthand the best practice sharing and networking that uh, makes these events such a success. Uh, it really is a great opportunity, so I encourage you to put something in your budget now so that you can be with us in the fall of 2013. And uh, please contact us if you have any questions on this and uh, watch the Benchmark Portal newsletter for updates as we get more and more details. And if you're not part of our community, uh, please go to our website and sign up, and you'll be able to get these uh, newsletters and uh, a lot of other great information. So uh, with that, uh, thank you very much, Dee, and uh, I'd like to turn things back to Brian. Great. Well, thank you guys, uh, both uh, Bruce and Dee. I think it was a good idea to share some of those best practices that we learned from Call Center Campus with all of our listeners here at Call Talk. So it was a great event, and it was my pleasure to MC, and I look forward to it again next year. But want to remind all of our listeners here that we're going to come back strong in 2013 with a special guest, Susan McDonald Osborne, where we'll explore the differences between traditional knowledge management and leading-edge performance support management. This is going to be a really interesting topic, lots of great material from a true expert who has helped to pioneer this field. So make sure that you join us for that show, which will be on January 16th, 2013. So, with that being said, don't forget to sign up for a free reality check benchmark report to see how your call center compares to others in the industry. And of course, from all of us here at Benchmark Portal, keep those headsets steady and your fingers ready. This is Brian Carrington wishing you the best for this holiday season. Signing out. Have a great day. Happy holidays, everyone. Bye-bye.